for three years now, I've been able to Anderson Silva force Griffin this whole COVID thing. But unfortunately, earlier this week, I got Chris Weidman, if you guys know what I mean. Uh, on Monday, I started feeling like complete shit and turned out I tested positive for COVID and was bedridden for the next couple days. Um, yesterday, I finally started doing research on this weekend's card, uh, even though I was still feeling like shit. You know, put out bare bones breakdowns on my Patreon, but had a lot of people hitting me up through the DMs and uh, asking if I was going to drop a podcast this week. And, you know, firstly, I want to appreciate everybody that's reached out and looking out for your boy and, you know, showing your boy some love still. Um, so I didn't want to disappoint them. I, w- I wanted to still drop something for you guys. So this is going to be a very abbreviated episode and a, a very, you know, short episode. No real bells and whistles, just... Me quickly going through the fights, giving you guys my picks, my predictions, and uh, moving on from there. In terms of my uh, the three or four segments that I do throughout the week, I'll drop another pod or another video later this evening uh, where I do all four of those segments in a quick, you know, ten minute video where I just quickly lay out, you know, my three lock of the night candidates, three dog of the night candidates. Um, my lucky two-step, lucky trinity, and the three best prop bets. So if you're looking forward to hearing that, check that out later tonight. But uh, yeah, you know, I don't want to get through, do all the plugs and all the extra stuff that I normally do. Let's just get right into the breakdowns before my voice doesn't give up on me or unless I end up coughing up a lung, which I'll hopefully uh, be able to cut out of the podcast if that does happen. All right, let's get right into it. Uh, Ode Osborne versus Asu Almabayev, first fight of the night. Uh, Almabayev making his debut here. Uh, seems to be a solid Kazakhstani fighter, uh, 17-2 and record, I believe it is. Uh, we had another Kazakhstani fighter making his debut a couple weeks ago in Azat Maxim, who looked to be the goods. Uh, had a flat performance, but, uh, you know, still ended up getting the win over Tyson M. Uh, actually, I think it was... Azad Maxim, who had the 17... Oh, sorry, yeah, it was uh, Azad who had 16-0, and Asu has the 17-2 record. A solid wrestler, which you would expect from him, has some uh, notable names on his record from earlier in his career, including uh, most recently Zach Makovsky, standout wrestler who he showed good wrestling with uh, as well and was really going against him, uh, showing some good things, uh, good takedowns, good reversals, and then ultimately getting his own game off, winning that fight by split decision. Uh, he's a good fighter overall. Um, I think he brings a lot of good things to the table. Odie Osborne, I've never really understood the hype around the kid. Uh, physically, he's very talented. He's quick. He has some good power, has some good kicks. Uh, wrestling, not that bad. But it's clear that his cardio really starts to fall off after the you know five or six minute mark marks of fights where his style just doesn't really become that effective. I expect him to drown under the pressure and wrestling of Almabayev. And unless um, Osborne lands some sort of Hail Mary knockout early or latches on to some sort of Hail Mary submission early, I think he's going to falter, break, and eventually get finished by Almabayev in the second or third round of this matchup. Next up, Sean Woodson against Dennis Bazukia. Uh, Woodson, obviously, it's been a while since we've seen him inside the cage. Uh, he had that um, very mediocre performance against 
Luis Saldana, where he probably should have lost, but got lucky that Bazookia got a point taken away from him due to an illegal knee. Uh, but uh, uh, Saldana hurt him on numerous occasions that night, especially when everybody thought that Woodson was going to be the one that was going to be more effective with his boxing. Uh, but his durability seems to be a little bit of a question mark at this point. At his best, likes to use his footwork, his range, and his jab down the pipe to really hurt his opponents. On the flip side with Bazookia, a long time coming for him to make it to the UFC. Um, very questionable the fact that he had to cut 24 pounds over the last couple of days to try to make weight here. Still missed weight by half a pound, but you got to give him his uh, due for you know making it that close on that, other than a, a guy like Jared Gooden who came back to the UFC and missed weight by like six pounds or whatever the fuck it was. Um, Bazookia, you know, striker, comes from the Saralongo camp. It seems like he can do it all, but doesn't really have what it takes to break through to the next level. But I think his aggressive striking style could potentially give Woodson some problems here. Um, I think he can keep Woodson, you know, uh, pressured. I think he can land some big shots on him, maybe even hurt him. Uh, I am going to take Bazookia and Bazookia by decision. But, uh, you know, low confidence, especially with that uh, weight cut that he had. Um, yeah, big question mark for me there. But just you know i'm not that big of a fan of woodson as much anymore and uh even though he has the technical striking advantage he showcased in his last fight that things could get really shaky for him if he ends up getting head clean and bazooka is more than uh possible or more than capable of doing that next up jake hadley and Cody Durden, uh, kind of a grudge match here as Hadley was supposed to fight to gear Ulenbekov. Ulenbekov pulls out. Cody Durden pulls out of his fight. That happens next month and takes a short notice bout here against Hadley just so he can finally put his fist to his face. Hadley, obviously strong grappler with a lot of good submissions up his sleeve, but he's really been showing off some good striking over his last couple of fights, which have gotten, gotten him some finishes. Cody Durden showing improvements in his hands as well, but it's obvious that he needs to get his striking game going if he hopes to have any success against his opponents. If he can't get fights to the ground, I think he really starts to struggle. I think he's also a little bit of a fragile guy if he fights anybody that can give him some legitimate resistance, and that's where I feel like he's going to be feeling here from the Jake Hadley side. Um, I think Hadley is the better striker, and I think he can do a good enough job defensively speaking with his grappling that he could... Um, make Cody Durden pay for it and then eventually finish him what I like the most is the under two and a half in this matchup because there is a potential that uh, sorry the under two and a half more than the Hadley money line because if Hadley looks like his money line I think it looks like him finishing uh, Durden here Um, but there is a possibility that Durden can put the wrestling grind on Hadley and get his hand raised that way as well but I'm still going to go with the uh, Hadley side and uh, Hadley by finish under two and a half specifically. Uh, Billy Q against Damon Jackson up next. Um, I'm trying to do my best in terms of making the emphasis when I need them. But yeah, as you guys can tell, I'm just really not feeling it. Doing my best to get through it for you guys. Uh, Billy Q against uh, Damon Jackson. Billy Q obviously getting stopped emphatically by... Um, Edson Barboza in his last matchup 
you know, and, and that was a further showcase of, you know, Billy Q's a decent all-around fighter, but a guy that really weaponizes his cardio pace and pressure and usually gives up the first round in his fights. But if he's really behind in a certain discipline in mixed martial arts, more often than not, he'll end up coming up short, like he did against Barboza and Burgos. Or if he faces a guy that can handle his momentum and put it against him, like Gavin Tucker, that's another way that he comes up short. Otherwise, if he can handle the early onslaught from his opponents, he comes on strong in the second or third rounds, more often not getting a finish. Damon Jackson is coming off uh, getting knocked out by Dan Ige in the second round of his last fight, but apparently he had some really bad uh, uh, injuries going into that matchup, specifically his pectoral muscle, which uh, really didn't allow him to go for takedowns, something that he's more than, uh, you know, known for. Um, uh, You know, the fight before that, he knocked out Pat Sabatini as an underdog. That was a great win for him, and that capped off a four-fight winning streak for him until he ran into Dan Ige. I think Jackson still has a lot of good things to show out there, especially with his grapple-heavy approach. He's very strong from that top position. He does a great job in terms of maintaining uh, position, and I think he can do that here against Billy Corantillo. I was kind of surprised to see Jackson around that plus 150, plus 160 range. I think he's the side in this matchup, as I feel like he can do what he needs to to get this fight to the ground, as I believe he'll be the better wrestler. And I think he can control this fight long enough to keep Billy Q on the defensive, get up the you know, the scorecards and then end up winning this fight by decision while surviving the inevitable third round uh, that Billy Q will start to look to take over. But I think Jackson's too good for him on the ground in the early going and that should be enough for him to get his hand raised. Next up, Jeremiah Walls versus Carlson Harris. Uh, Heavily debated from what I've been seeing, but a fight that I don't really have a strong opinion about. Both guys kind of fight the same in terms of the fact that they're reckless in terms of the striking really looking for the knockouts but they just have different body types you got the short stocky fire hydrant that is jeremiah wells and then you have the long lanky carlson harris anaconda like figure that he has both guys have uh, high level jujitsu games i'd probably give wells the edge in that but i think that harris's ability to have a better gas tank and go you know uh further in the fight and be more effective could give him the upper hand in this fight however i think that it's going to end up being wells who gets that early knockout under that two and a half round mark likely coming in the first round i really like well i don't really like any spot in this matchup because it could either be an early wells finish or it could be just a slow sloppy grind for 15 minutes and one of these guys getting their hand raised I'm going to go with the Jeremiah Wall side with an early finish, but I don't really have any um, any real interest in investing in this matchup. Next up, Honey Barcelos versus Kyler Phillips. Very fun fight here. A fight that I thought I'd be on the Barcelos side with, especially considering how wide the odds are, but I'd rather just pass on this matchup as a whole. I think Phillips has the style that will give Barcelos problems, which is a guy that moves a lot, utilizes distance striking, a lot of kicks from range, and stays out of range from getting countered. Obviously, Barcelos has a better gas tank, and he could potentially uh, push this into deep waters and have some success late, but I think by that time, it's going to be too little too late, and Barcelos will be too far behind, and Phillips will be able to survive that third round and win this fight by decision. Uh, again, closer than the odds suggest, but Barcelos, I think his his time has kind of passed. He's been a guy that I've been big on in the past, but I think that Phillips is a bad stylistic matchup for him. Next up, Ignacio Bahamundes, Ludovic Klein. 
This is a great stylistic matchup for Ignacio, in my opinion, as I believe that he can do what he does best, snipe his opponent from a distance, uh, rack up three digits, significant strike numbers, maybe even finish Klein at a certain point in this fight, where I think at the for the most part, we'll see him just chip away at Klein while he dodges the big shots that are coming back in his way. Klein might look to get his grappling going here, but I think Bahamundes does a good enough job in terms of stopping takedowns, pivoting off onto Angle so that Klein uh, doesn't get in on his hips clearly enough. And also, even if he does get taken down, I think Bahamundes does a good enough job in terms of working back to his feet and getting, uh, yeah, just 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 getting back to work, getting back to his handiwork and getting back on the numbers and frustrating Klein from that distance striking game. Uh you know, Jai Herbert, perfect example of what happened last time around. Uh, if Klein was to fight a striker that likes to utilize distance striking, but I think that Bajo Mundes is a little bit cleaner than Herbert, so this fight could even look uh, better for Bajo Mundes, and I think it'll look even more dominant, and I like him at this spot. So give me Bajo Mundes to win this by decision. Bozer versus Kmore up next. Uh, very weird fight here. Bozer looking to save his UFC job, it seems, at this point. He's 1-4 in his last five fights. He's known for his combination striking, his output, and his leg kicks, but he very much sucks when guys are trying to take him to the ground. Uh, you know, he lacks some certain technical things in terms of the defensive uh, aspects of takedowns, uh, like digging underhooks, fighting hands, spreading his base. Um, hopefully that's something that he's worked on, because I'd be surprised if Kamor doesn't uh, attack that, as that's an obvious um, issue in Bozer's game but Kamor the way he likes to fight is just crash the pocket throw a lot of big strikes and they get back out into range his last couple of fights have been a big grind uh, especially against Nego Mariano uh, and, and William Knight two fights that really much played in the the clinch and grappling realms that he ended up getting the short end of the stick on he's been out of the cage for a while dealing with uh uh nerve damage in his hands so i'm curious to see how he's going to look coming back from that but he's still only 27 years old and and i think that he can make some decent uh, improvements but i think that bozo will do a good enough job in terms of keeping on the movement utilizing his footwork and his leg kicks to really damage kamor and do good damage from distance and rack up the numbers there i like the over two and a half the most uh, but you know no real convicted spot on this matchup considering how these guys match up with each other uh, give me Bozer by decision no real conviction there Gavin Tucker versus Diego Lopez uh, Lopez obviously a fighter that a lot of people seem to be high on considering his uh, losing effort against Bozer Ivluev but he put up a valiant effort that night with a lot of submission attempts However, they were just defensive submission attempts more than anything. Kind of reminds me of when Lando Vanana made his short notice debut against Tony Ferguson. And, uh, you know, he his stock rose even in defeat. But, uh, you know, his career didn't really turn out to be the greatest even after that. Very mediocre, if I'm being honest. Um, uh, what was it? thought i had the record here but i think it's just a, about a 500 record that Va vanana has at this point more in time either way lopez bjj black belt uh he trains a lot with alexa grasso uh, but he's a guy that's known to play off his back a little bit too much trusting in his jujitsu far too much which is why he ends up eating up a lot of clock for his opponents and they're able to beat him by decision i think gavin tucker who's coming off of a pretty lengthy layoff is still a very talented fighter with good striking which in 
he'll have an advantage in this matchup. And I think his BJJ black belt will be good enough for him to keep this fight safe should he look to take it to the ground and grind out Lopez from that top position. I'd have more confidence in Tucker here had it not been for that long layoff that he's come off, uh, you know, dealing with a, a rotator cuff injury that he's had. But I feel like he's still talented enough to beat a guy like Lopez who depends far too much on his BJJ, especially if it doesn't come to fruition. So give me the underdog shot here on Gavin Tucker, and I think he wins this fight by decision. Next up, we got Dustin Jacoby and Kennedy and Zechuku. Pretty easy fight to break down here in terms of the way these guys fight. Jacoby loves his combination striking game, touching up his opponents from distance, utilizing his leg kicks, utilizing his body work as well, uh, which started his return to the UFC uh, on a 6 one run until he ran into... Uh, that unfortunate split decision loss to Khalil Roundtree, a fight that I believe he thought he won, and then the following one where he just got hurt on bad times against against Azad Mirzakhanov, even though it looked like he was coming back strong in that third round. Uh, if he can stay safe in this fight in terms of not getting dropped or not getting hurt too badly, he should be able to put the numbers on Nzechuku here, you know, especially in the striking rub where he has a technical advantage and really hurt Nzechuku and do some good work from distance. And Zedjuku is dangerous, he's explosive, but I think he's a guy that will start to wear down as fights start to go on, especially as he starts getting picked apart by a guy like Jacoby. Again, this is a big if on the Jacoby part, who's de- uh, deteriorating durability. <laughs> Come on, give me an applause for getting through that one, especially with how I'm feeling right now. Um, especially with that uh, durability issue being an issue, right? It, it might be more of an issue that I'm giving it... Uh, uh, credence, but um, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with Jacoby here as the dog shot. I think he's worth the play here. Um, yeah, give me Jacoby by decision. Coming event time, Jessica Andrade coming back up to the flyweight division, going up against Tatiana Suarez, the uncrowned queen. Andrade obviously, um, you know, had that unfortunate loss to Aaron Blanchfield. Uh, you know, she very much struggled to get much going that night. Uh, Blanchfield was able to get the fight to the ground and then quickly find the finish after that. Uh, and that just pretty much tells you how this fight could possibly go, especially considering the size and height difference that we're going to get in this matchup. Suarez is the far superior wrestler. She'll be able to get this fight ground to the ground without much issue. And I think from there, it's just a matter of time before she ends up finding the finish. I don't know if it'll be by submission or TKO, which is why I don't mind targeting the inside the distance around minus 150. Or if you're just skeptical about the fight overall, I don't mind the under two and a half as I think that if Suarez can't effectively get this fight to the ground, she might look lost on the feet and Andrade could take advantage of that with her power striking style. But I think no matter what, this fight finishes under two and a half. Uh, that's a good spot, but I think it's going to be Suarez who just absolutely maws Andrade when she gets that top position, probably by the second round. And then the main event, Corey Sandhagen versus Rob Font. Uh, you know, Sandhagen looking at career best last time around against Marlon Vera, even though uh, one judge scored it against him, which was ill-advised. Uh, Corey Sandhagen, you know, looking very good. Continues to improve his game, showcasing his wrestling to his uh, you know, being able to blend his wrestling and his striking together, um, his unorthodox striking combinations. Uh, the guy has it all. You know, five rounds is what he's made for, and I think he's going to benefit from that again this weekend. 
you know, hats off to him for originally accepting Umar Nurmagomedov as his opponent this weekend. Unfortunately, Nurmagomedov pulls out, and uh, now Sanhagen has to fight Rob Font. Rob Font, great fighter, had a great comeback win last time around uh, after, you know, derailing the hype train of Adrian Yanez by knocking him out brutally. But I think he's in for a tough night here against Sanhagen, who's going to have too unorthodox of a style for Font to get it beat on. Font might have the advantage in terms of output and numbers, but I think he's going to struggle in terms of getting that going against a guy like Sandhagen who eats damage well, but also does good work in terms of countering and even just an overall game from his wrestling to his submissions. I think this ultimately goes a distance, so over 4.5 would probably be my favorite uh, prediction for this fight, but I still think that Sandhagen gets his hand raised. Line is just too wide for me to get, you know, ahead of myself and throw Sandhagen into everything because Fawn still has a lot of good things he brings to the table and he can make this fight more competitive than those odds indicate so if you want to talk about value I think there is some value on Font at this line but I still think that Sandhagen ends up getting his hand raised and he takes it on home there you guys go just under 20 minutes or just over 20 minutes of breaking down this card for you guys Appreciate you guys bearing with me with my shitty voice, the shitty quality of all of this. But uh, hopefully, you guys join me later tonight as well for the um, for the uh, the four in one segment that I'm going to drop for you guys, where I do all my segments in one. Uh, hopefully, within ten minutes or so. Uh, also, LFA and PFL going down tonight. I have plays and predictions for all of those fights uh, posted on the Patreon. If you want to check that out, link is in the description below. I hope to be back in full health early next week so that I can drop uh, the lockcast for you guys as normal on Monday. But also on Sunday, I'm targeting on doing the first episode of the Contender Series. I believe Sunday would be the best time to drop it, Sunday evening. Uh, if you guys prefer Monday, let me know. But I guess sooner the better, right? But I want to do it after the previous UFC event. So just an example this after this weekend's ufc event finishes i want the following day to be my contender series day which is what i'm planning so sunday look for the first contender series episode all right i'm going to stop talking before i lose my voice love you guys appreciate you guys drop a like and subscribe below if you haven't already and i'll see you guys later tonight for the four in one segment peace